Los Livingston Brothers on Sonoma Sun FM, KSVY 91.3, Sonoma. Black people don't even like him. Guaranteed. That was in reference to, to last Mr. Week, Polly. Last week's chicken and waffles. From a... Uh, wow. On on before I, us... Uh, I had totally forgotten oh, about those from last week, yeah. by the way. No, they're not. Wow. Those were... Uh, they were pretty whack. Those were pretty whack. As Polly just said. As we passed one another in the office... And uh, eth- eth- ethnicity aside, I don't think anybody would like. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody would like said chips. So but, I'm trying to remember. There were three they were testing. There were those. It was sriracha. This disgusting. I, I don't know They're what the failing. Third, I don't, yeah, Lay's. You're not. Just stick with the the classics, okay? Kettle just, chips. Why kettle can't chips we just, are why doing can't too we just, much. Yeah, why can't why can't we just have potato chips? I just want potato chips. Good potato chips. Hit me with a little sea salt. Maybe some uh, cracked black pepper. Call it a day. Done. Call it a day. Put that on my sando. Mwah. Let me get a little iced tea. Thank you for calling. No high fructose corn syrup. Thank you for calling it a sando. Sando. That's a shout out to my SoCal bros. Um, I know you're listening. Totally my listening. My sandos. We got people listening. Jive Killer Radio. Jive Killer Radio. Uh, Stevie. Polly. And Bum. friends around before us. So if you want to check them out, do it right here, 91.3 FM. If you're uh, listening to us via podcast, there you go. Yeah, sunfmtv.com. Uh, also, uh, Stevie is taking has taken one of my old posts. He has. He's, one, he's running. He's running it he, now. He's the, he is doing the morning show. He is show. the morning show guy. He, he, uh, he, was, he had helped out a lot. And now is the main morning show guy, so good on him. We have a special guest tonight, a special guest. Yes, we do. Pat Suley will be here. Uh, he's calling in in the next couple of minutes. Hailing from Kenyatta. Kenyatta. Uh, it's, a, no, it's a state to the north. No, of, no promise of Putin. No promise of Putin. We'll so. be discussing uh, sports such as... Professional wrestling. Professional baseball. Professional baseball. And uh, professional video games. History. History. So, have fun with that. So he should be on in uh, maybe about a minute. Pete, you have to go to the bathroom, don't you? No, I don't. I I just got, I almost sat down on the chair, but I'm kind of liking standing. (laughs) You know, there was a guy um, who, uh, he always did his show standing up. He didn't like sitting down. He was the guy who... I might just move to three. You can move I'm to on three. Two. Move to three. I think I might move to three. Move to three. Move to three. Okay. Put me, I, this is whack. You're turn, fine. Turn up three. Am I good? You're good, man. You're fine. Turn me up on three. You're good. You're, All right. You're totally fine on three. So, as P moves to mic three, 
And Sam enters the domicile. Joining us live from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, home of the Maple Leafs, home of the Blue Jays, not the home of the Canadiens, but home of Canadians. He is a contributor to the. I got, I got. I have my notes here. I do have my notes. He is a father. I, I, I have my notes. He is a father of many. Uh, no, that's children. That's from Tra- many women. That's Travis Henry. That's 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 wrong. And no. uh, once beat Bret Hart in the steel cage uh, death match. He's also a writer for the Midwest Sports Fans and the Barnstormer, both of which I have contributed. And he is an approach coach for Love Systems. And he has also been clocked at 115 miles an hour on a slap shot. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he is bearded. He is lovely. It's the great. Pat Trick Sully. Trick, welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. Uh, first time, long time. <laughs> I've just always wanted to say that, to be honest. Isn't that the best? And you worked at a station. We both, you know, that is the best thing to hear. It's like that first time, long time. And uh, and it's, it's, it's good to have you back. We did have you on uh, back in 2011. I was looking at the archives. That was the last time I think we had you on. And it's good to have you back, man. Oh, it's great to be back. I had a great time with you guys last time. Hopefully, uh, this lives up to the lofty standard we uh, set for ourselves about a year and a half ago. The bar is high. Uh, the bar is high. And you know what's good about this is uh, Trick is actually calling us on a station quality phone. Wow. So it's this is this is like clear. Like people thought our video, like our our audio quality was was fantastic. What Trick is bringing us over the phone is just as fantastic. So it's like he's in the studio. With yes, me. he is. He might as well be in the studio with us. Well, I need to resort to this. You guys might not know this, but uh, up here in Canada, most of our telecommunications involve a beaver using a typewriter. <laughs> it's a very elaborate system of our wilderness. Mm. Mm. So I, I had to go to this uh, this new age technology, like words on a phone. How is this a thing? They just got the they just got like the Nokia like cell phones, yeah. the ones that have like snake on them and stuff. And they're like and they're heavily ga- like guarded by Mounties, and and you have to like. You have to get their permission to use them every time. Mm. R- rumor has it uh, we're getting this new product uh, coming next year. It's called a uh, Palm Pilot. Mm. Yeah, it, those are yeah, those it's are great. Have this pen that you don't draw with ink. Instead, you uh, you point at things on your phone. Seems like a smart move. And and they're coming out with a new uh, Game Boy, a colored version. I hear Game Boy Color is going to be they, really. They have that in color. Oh, yeah, man. they they only have it in that beautiful green and yellow tone. Uh, yeah. That, that really only seems to work for the Oakland days. <laughs> Speaking, I, I think that's what we would call a transition. Yeah. I think we're going to take that Seamless. transition into, uh, I, I believe it's called baseball in Toronto, correct? Or is that is that oh, Mexico? Yes, yes. Um, baseball? It, it's, it, the language barrier isn't, uh, isn't that big. We just throw a couple extra vowels in superfluously right. into words, like uh, labor, honor. We throw yeah. U's in them. Yeah, for no, no real reason. It's... <laughs> You know, the Queen's English, King's English, whatever you want to call for whatever, it. For whatever reason, baseball is spelled with an O-U. I don't know why, but it but it is. So, so I guess, first question, the Toronto Blue Jays, I, I have to ask, since you being from the area, um, do you think that they were overhyped by the general media because a lot of people had them winning how many what was it like 90 yeah when we were when we went up and we were looking at the books 
uh, in, in Reno, they were at 91 wins. And so they were they were projected in that 90 to 92 range. Do you feel that the bar was just placed a little too high for them coming into this year's... I mean, because they they made a lot of great acquisitions. Do you think that it, it just will take a little bit more time with the Blue Jays? Well, I, I think you guys hit on something uh, on the head there. Uh, I, I don't know if it was Vegas. There, there was some sort of gambling commissioning people that uh, actually had ranked the Blue Jays uh, after the R.A. Dickey signing and that massive trade with the Marlins. They were ranked as having the best odds of having the World Series. And what more pressure could you really have than that? Supposed experts in gambling actually saying that the Blue Jays have a better chance than any other team in the world. With yeah. Let's be real here. About two-thirds of the team hadn't played together, or if they had, they had been in Miami, Florida the year before getting insane tax breaks. And the hype, at least on a, from a local standpoint, and also a national one, um, something... I, I don't know if there's really a comparable example. I mean, you know, you guys tend to run a lot of uh, you know, North America and Western culture down in the States, but here in Canada, like the Jays are seen with this sort of reverence with baseball fans. They are the entire nation's team. I'm really trying to think if there's a, a similar parallel. I don't know if uh, Baltimore's CFL team is about as close as I think uh, I can come to capturing the imagination <laughs> of your nation in uh, such a way. That just but, that did, that just struck a chord with me. Wow. Go on, I'm I'm now I'm now listening. And the way the Jays have resonated from right from Vancouver all the way out east, there are some people uh, who still associate themselves with the Montreal Expos, although they never actually went to the games when uh, they were going on at the time. Mm-hmm. That, that's a bit of a sidebar. As far as the hype that has gone into the team, it was. It was huge. Um, people in Canada are generally very starved for a lot of sports success. The amount of uh, weight we tie into the gold medal Canada hockey games, no matter what level it is, Olympics, World Juniors, the world just stops up here for that sort of thing. And if you look at all our pro sports teams, none of them have met with any sort of success recently. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, they might as well be the laughing stock of the NBA at this moment. The Toronto Maple Leafs uh, are generally seen to be the uh, you know, Boston Red Sox before 2004, the Chicago Cubs of the NHL. They haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967. Canada in general, we associate so much of our identity with hockey. There's no Canadian team has won a Stanley Cup since the Canadians in uh, 1993. Patrick Waugh, yeah. Yeah, and same with the, uh, the Blue Jays, their last World Series back in 93. We're just starved for some sort of sports identity, and people thought... This is it. The Jays are going to, to do this. The, these actual experts are saying it. And the hype just built and built and built from there. Almost every single player on the team, people had these endless virtues to sing about them. All the young players were going to hit their stride at the exact same time. All these veterans were going to play as well, if not better than they have at their peaks. And the proof just hasn't been there. And really, I think there could have been warning signs hindsight obviously being 2020 but just look at how the marlins fared last year after they made these world stopping deals and i know this might resonate with you guys but uh, the way the la dodgers after they made that massive blockbuster with boston last year and they just fell flat on their face sometimes getting a lot of really sexy names uh, on the back of the baseball jersey does not create a winner no. and uh, again i i, I name dropped the oakland days earlier they're the perfect antithesis of what the Blue Jays have done. Uh, same with the Dodgers, all the teams that go out and get guys who 
are now becoming available that they may have coveted a few years ago, but who really are just passing, if not long past their peak. And that seems to be the problem. Obviously, with so many new players playing together, I think there's a chance that if they keep a lot of the key pieces in place, the Jays could definitely contend for a few years to come. They haven't really built themselves up a, a team that will contend beyond about three years in the future unless they make some major moves. And even as far as present day, there are definitely holes in that lineup, especially at second base. But there are numerous things that the team needs to work on. I, I fully admit that I drank the Kool-Aid. Um, I thought they were at least going to finish in a wild-card spot. And I, along with the rest of my country, we were very, very wrong about Toronto. Well, I mean, I, I remember thinking that the bar was unfairly set uh, high. I mean, because people were. People were – you turn on ESPN – it didn't matter what preseason coming up into the season, everybody was pointing to Toronto and saying, you know, this look at who they signed, look who they brought in. You know, they have Joey Batch. You know, they're going to be doing this, that, and the other thing. I just felt like it was pretty unfair. <laughs> like it's almost as if they were set to fail. But uh, I think that that you know, I'm kind of with you it, it, in, in in that I think that baseball is slowly shifting away from the you know what. Let's buy ourselves a championship because more and more teams now are starting to go the farm route. And you're not seeing as many. I think we even talked about this a few shows ago. The value people are placing on prospects now. Right. Is before they were just bargaining chips being thrown around like, you know, like they were nothing. But now those those prospects are just absolutely coveted. But I still think that the Blue Jays. They're not. They're not like an old team. The people that they signed. I mean, Ari Dickey is what, like thirty. He's thirty-eight. Now they have some old but guys. But for a knuckleballer, that's yeah, not a big deal. Well, but but then you know, Trick, we'll go down the lineup really quick, right? So Josh Johnson is obviously flamed out, and even if he does come back next year, he turns out to be the biggest bust of the deal. Jose Reyes, his ankle injury was kind of a freak thing that happened. And then meanwhile, you know, Bonifacio wasn't expected to do too much, and he didn't even do that much. Then guys like Cabrera, Dickey, obviously. You know, the one thing that you, you can't say is that they didn't go for it. But can you can you think of something that, in, in your time following the team in the last four months, that, that just kind of stands out as, as a, a symbol for what's gone wrong this year? Because... I mean, it's it's obvious to look at everything that didn't pan out, but but can you think of something that when you think of this team, that it's just gonna it's just gonna kind of put the stamp on it as as one of those things that for whatever reason it didn't work out the way people thought. Well, it's a, you did just put me on the spot a bit there. The one thing that really sticks out in my mind so far from the season as a lasting memory of just the negative impact that this season has had has actually been a few incidents involving Brett Laurie. I don't know how much coverage uh, you guys had of his buffoonery on Twitter, and even beyond that, if you guys uh, saw the clip, it's I'm going back now about two months. Uh, he hit a deep fly ball to, uh, to right field, and he thought Adam Lind, who is probably the second slowest guy on the team, I mean, I could out-sprint this man, and I am by no means you know, a heavy lifter or an athlete. Now, Laurie, he actually just completely showed up Lind on the way back, like eyeing him down with just the most brutal cut eye and taking the slow paces uh, back to the dugout, where John Gibbons proceeded to pretty much tear his head off as though his name was Shea Hillenbrand. 
Oh boy. The, the whole uh, the whole thing there though is uh, Brett Lurie really seems to represent so much of the hope that people had in the team. I mean, I, I'm sure you guys, uh, when building your fantasy baseball teams two years ago after he had that monster 2011 half season, people were putting insane value on him. He was going to be a 25-25, 30-30 home run steal player who can hit 280 to 300. He just has talent on loan from God. The problem is his actual approach to the plate, he has not been able to make successful adjustments. If you really want to look into the figures, it's that a lot of the uh, pitchers have learned to pitch to him. He's very susceptible to breaking stuff low in the zone, and fastballs low in the zone. He hasn't been able to make adjustments, and instead of seemingly taking the, the blame for it, now I don't know him personally by any means, but instead of taking the blame for it, he seems very quick to pass the blame to others. He goes on these uh, rants online. He showed up Adam Lind just... Showing up umpires, which is a problem the entire team has, it's a lack of accountability for people's own mistakes. And the entire team as a whole, from management down to every single player on the team, save, I would say, actually, Rajay Davis and Adam Lind, who, oh, and Edwin Encarnacion. Those three guys have all surpassed pretty much everyone's expectations. Other than that, everyone else is playing well below their level, and it seems that no strides have been taken to improve it. They're outside of that one 11-game win streak, which in hindsight, now seems like a total outlier. Right. There has been no straw of hope this entire year. You know, and we're, and, and this is one of the reasons we had you on was because, obviously, as Giants fans and, and followers of the team, if you look at, at two of the biggest disappointments in baseball, people look squarely at these two teams. Um, one of the things that a lot of people are bringing up from a statistical standpoint is that for the Giants – uh, they they might have been a beneficiary of just getting hot at the right time in the playoffs, and there's a lot of, of data that kind of backs that up, and that has to do with the years following 2010 and the years following 2012. Now, 2011 was injury-riddled, unfortunately. They lost Buster Posey and lost uh, Beltran, so obviously as a Blue Jays fan, you understand something like that considering the injury woes you guys have faced. Uh, but 2013 has, has been an unmitigated disaster for a lot of reasons uh, for the Giants, mainly having to do with their starting pitching. Uh, only Bump, Madison Bumgarner has been the, the one guy that the people have depended on. He was an all-star, most you know, righteous art all-star. But uh, you know, even with Buster Posey having a great year and Brandon Belt you know, starting to emerge after, for whatever reason, the yo-yoing that, that Bruce Bochy has had with him, uh, the team up and down has just not been as advertised. You know, you lose Angel Pagan after that inside the park home run, and people kind of see that as the symbol for when the team fell. But, I mean, if you look at these two teams and you put them side to side and you got the team that won the World Series and you had the team that before the season started was the favorite for the World Series, uh, what what team do you see as, as the bigger disappointment from your end? That That is a really uh, tough one, Tim. It, the parallels between these two teams are absolutely staggering. I mean, the fact that Jays are only one win above where the Giants stand, and both are just atrocious. I think Toronto is 57, and the Giants have... 58, 50, yeah. 55. Oh, 58. Oh, well, <laughs> things well, are moving on up down uh, down there. They almost swept the Marlins today. Almost did. <laughs> Except... is, is that even an accomplishment? I mean, come on. We're ta- you're talking to the guy who's... Uh, 
local team ransacked uh, them for their entire roster. I mean, they yeah. do have a Danny Hechevaria, though, so hey. watch out. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Um, they swept the Giants in four games back in June, and that was kind of the low point of the season. So uh, that that's it was kind of nice to see them at least win two, and that's kind of sad that I even just said that. But that's that being said... Uh, where, where, where do you stand on the comparison between the Giants and uh, no? You're right, 55 for the Giants, 57 for Toronto. But where do you get, where do you stand on that comparison? You think? I would actually say, uh, taking personal bias aside, the Giants would have to stand as the bigger disappointment. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree too. For as much as the Jays were hyped coming in, this is still a team that hasn't had a winning season since I believe 2006. Please don't quote me on that by any means. Yeah. But it was the mid 2000s. It's been pretty close to a decade. They haven't made the playoffs since they won the World Series. It'll be 20 years ago this season. The Giants just won it, and they went to no small expense to bring the entire band brat back for this season. I mean, the amount of money Marco Scudero is now making is just the mind reels. But it's because they saw they had this team that played so well together. In a bizarre way, you guys have a comparison just there in California with how Oakland managed to uh, keep that bizarre momentum from last year whereas the Giants have fallen off. And it's, it's weird that, it, just you mentioning the Giants' pitching woes, it's basically been the same thing with Toronto. It's where everything started. Um, you guys, obviously, you can just reel off the, uh, the pitchers. Uh, their um, song imploded. Uh, Linscombe hasn't been the same for a couple years. Matt Cain, I, I still can't quite explain what the hell is happening to Matt Cain this season. When I watch him pitch, he's not as bad as his numbers say. And like you said, Bumgarner's been the one shining spot. And Toronto had the same thing. People came into this year. They were proud of the fact that Ricky Romero, who had been the ace heading into 2012, was looking to be the number five starter. Yeah. He was, he was going to bounce back. Josh Johnson and Brandon Morrow, I mean, you might get 200 innings between the two of them combined. But, geez, those were going to be two amazing sub-three ERA, like, strikeout per inning innings, like some elite-level stuff from two injury-plagued guys. And then you have the reigning uh, Cy Young Award winner in the National League in R.A. Dickey, and Mark Burley, who had just come off 12 consecutive seasons of 200 uh, innings pitched. You could just set your watch to this line if it seemed heading into this year, and absolutely none of them have panned out as planned. Burley uh, was hurt for a little bit. Dickey uh, has actually been okay on the road, in Rogers Center, he just gets annihilated by the long ball. Right. And uh, the less said about Johnson, Morrow, and Romero, it probably the better. All three of them have been injured, have pitched well below expectations, and you guys are having the same plight uh, down in California. Yeah, and, you know, when we watch the team, it, there is kind of this idea that they're just they're not playing up to their standards. And a lot of it doesn't, I think, have to do with talent. And there is this idea, you know, as as we've become statistically inclined, uh, the people who kind of de- like lean on those as crutches don't still take into account the intangibles that still can affect the team. Like I don't know if you've heard, obviously, the Brandon Belt stuff going out here, but the the rhetoric that has been thrown around for his uh, for for his his comeback has been the switch to these Under Armour gloves that align. Their uh, their the hands and all that. So, you know, for for you know stuff like that, it, it's it's just kind of tough to to uh, to kind of see you know where that lines up. But 
I think we can both agree that when it comes to the the baseball stuff that we're in the midst of two bad seasons from two teams we expected a lot more of. Um, we'll we'll move on. Wait, uh, one last thing, real quick. Who do you think gets the MVP for this season? Everybody's talking Puig and Kershaw. Do you see anybody out of the? Basically, is it going to be somebody from the Dodgers, or is it going to be the field? Who do you think is going to win the MVP for this season? Well, that's a, that's tough. Um, it, it's a, it's always a bit of a debate as to whether or not pitchers will end up uh, having a strong enough season that it just dominates over any individual uh, position player's year. Uh, it looks like it could be one of those in the NL. The way Kershaw has pitched... He would be my favorite today, but you could make a decent case for a handful of guys. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, I yeah. think, deserves to be in the conversation as so. well. Uh, before he got hurt, I was going to say Carlos Gonzalez, but right. man, missing like two, three weeks, that can really uh, kill things. You could have said the same thing about Tulowitzki before he got hurt back in June. Right. Both guys were just ripping up an insane pace. If I had to go with today, though, it would be Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, I think I think we're all in agreement there. He's... They compared his numbers to Sandy Koufax's Sandy 1966 season, and they're right there, which is just scary as all hell. Um, we'll move on. SummerSlam was tonight. Pat and I, we love the professional wrestling. Pete loves the professional wrestling. Tonight was a great night for professional wrestling, unless you are not a fan of Triple H, in which case... People don't like the last five minutes of tonight's pay-per-view. Um, quick rundown. Daniel Bryan beats John Cena clean in the middle of the ring. The first time someone's done that since The Rock. And then Triple H, who was the special guest referee, called it right down the middle the entire way. And then as the confetti falls and the fireworks go off, Randy Orton comes out, thinks about cashing in the briefcase, turns, goes back. And then as he's walking back towards the ring, Triple H pedigrees Daniel Bryan. Randy Orton cashes in money in the bank, wins the WWE title. What people aren't talking about so much after that was that before that happened, WWE had one of the best pay-per-views they've had in two years. Like A lot of people are lining this up with 2011 money in the bank. What, what were your thoughts on the night? I thought, uh, much like you said, uh, Tim, it was an absolutely crackerjack Top to bottom, great show. I missed the uh, the pre show with uh, RVD and Ambrose, so I can't really weigh in there. Um, I'm a big fan of Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. Actually, just I guess before we get too far into it, um, to those that, that don't know, the whole reason Tim and I actually know each other is uh, we. God, this this is going to sound weird when I actually verbalize it, but right. we in a way met through an online wrestling message board, and this this would have been like I don't know. Eight or nine years ago, we were both posting on this thing in the heyday of Teddy Hart uh, acting a fool. But um, so we, I guess, just uh, got into that community together. So some pretty big wrestling uh, geeks here. And it, it might just show because just watching that uh, Daniel Bryan John Cena match, my God, did it not seem like a New Japan match? Like it could have belonged in the G1 climax. Yeah. And, and it was the... just, it, it was crazy. Even down to the, uh, the finish doing the Kenta knee, which. I cannot for the life of me pronounce the Japanese word that it actually is. This, they call it the Busaiku knee kick. That's what it's called. Very nice. So Very I, nice, Tim. <laughs> I wish I could make those buzzes and clicks. There, there you Good go. God. <laughs> um, so, but that was that was a great match. Um, 
And now, and you know, other matches in the night. We'll we'll, we'll get back to to the, the final angle. But Brock and Brock Lesnar and CM Punk had a great match. Completely different than Brian and, and Cena. Much more of a fight. Uh, Brock Lesnar is still incredible. He's one of the best pure athletes I've ever seen. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what about Brock. I know people like to give him the mo of kind of just like a big bruiser, yeah. almost like almost like a big like lunky Hogan esque. Per- but no way, that guy uh, is a freak. He is a athlete. freak athlete. Just we we saw him live. Uh, yeah, and we saw with him Eddie. We, with Eddie. Yeah, and there were so many callbacks to that Eddie match in the, in this in this Brock and, and CM Punk match. And you could obviously see that because of CM Punk's relationship with Eddie, and obviously Brock, and 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 him having the match with Eddie, the similarities there. Uh, what you what do you think of that match? You know, I I love that comparison you guys just drew. The the one that I had in my head about halfway through the match was a uh, Sting Invader, their very yeah. first match oh, from yeah. like 1992. But uh, that's the feeling yeah. I got when I saw Brock and Eddie uh, for the first time, and I guess was '04. Yeah, uh, yeah, you guys nailed it. It was just it was an amazingly laid out match from a, a storytelling standpoint, and the fact that these guys were just leaning into every bump they took. They they were just really trusting of each other. Like, we saw CM Punk get the crap kicked out of yeah. him for about 25 minutes, and Lesnar was up to task. He can just legitimately throw someone around, and he has that sort of Scott Steiner factor of he would actually be a scary person to run into, so he gets a legitimate kind of reaction from the crowd right. where there's like, oh, crap, I mean, I know we're watching this show, but that looks like it just killed. And, you know, chances are it obviously does, but that match was just phenomenal the uh the homages like you guys said to uh the eddie guerrero match uh so many of the comparisons that, that i saw with sting invader where cm punk would uh instead of using his typical style he was jumping off of just about anything he could stand on uh a very aerial aerial strike type of, of approach it was how i would picture a realistic fight between two people of that size difference actually going down it was amazing for suspending the disbelief. The way they were able to tie in the story with Paul Heyman as well, I thought they handled the near falls great. Just everything about that match just really, really worked for me. How big is CM Punk? He's uh, he's six two two twenty. So Sting was bigger than yeah. CM Sting Punk. was six. He was a big Sting guy. Sting was six four two sixty. No, he was a big dude. Like yeah. at his biggest, he was a big, strong dude. Right. Yeah. And you know Brock. In fact, I would love to see Brock stand next to Sting. Because, oh, he's way bigger than Sting. Well, well but but he's two eighty five, but he's like he's he's broader. Sting was not broad. He was kind of tall. He was lean. He, he was looked lean. lean. But but like I, I don't I don't know if he was six five though. He might have been six three, something like that. Yeah. But the, those two like stand, standing eye to eye, I would have loved to see that comparison of them in their prime. But CM Punk but is six one two twenty. Yeah, two twenty. He's, he's not a big dude. He's not well, a big I mean, dude. he's a big dude. Right. Like if if he was sitting here with us, we'd be like, hey, yeah, no, he's a big, big guy. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, I I, I think that I, I just wanted to. I was just curious because uh, bringing up the Sting Invader, yeah. which well, I was funny. I messaged I messaged Tim on Facebook probably like two three weeks ago. I was uh, uh, on YouTube and I was rewatching old uh, Vader matches oh, God, with yeah. Sting. Yeah, and I was just like, oh my god, these were so good. Like some of those old, like anything with Vader. Was awesome, didn't he? And and uh, didn't he have something with uh, 
um, uh, 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 Ricky Ricky Steamboat too? Or he no? Had, he didn't have much with Steamboat. He did stuff with with Mick Foley when he was Cactus Jack. Or am I think? Oh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Uh, Steamboat and Flair. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Steamboat. Never mind. My bad, one, guys. But uh, but yeah, no, like you know. That was that was an, a match that a lot of people had high hopes for, and they delivered on it. And that was something that, you know, people were hoping on the same end with Brian and Cena, but and they did. That match was fantastic. And you know, one of the great things about it was the the Staples Center was completely into everything. It was a hot crowd. There's a reason they've done SummerSlam there five years in a row now, and it's the only. It's kind of the only pay per view they keep in a in a single spot. They move everything else around, but they keep that in Los Angeles. And you know, when you you know, I think you and I both saw the 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 aftermath coming when when Triple H didn't leave the ring, and it was just like you were just you know you were kind of waiting for it to happen. You know, what when you when the pay per view ended, what were your what was your your first reaction? Like, what what did you think after you'd seen what had happened? After I'd seen the entire thing. Well, after 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 the the Brian Cena match. Well, I I mean I, I think uh, I think it's all come through in the the way we've uh, sung what praise we have so far. It was just it was an amazing match, about thirty minutes long, and uh, really the the amount of uh, if we want to talk about like taking homages from uh, from old style, how you guys mentioned uh, the Brock Lesnar Eddie Guerrero matches. Like Dan Bryan was almost doing like a best of of being Brian Danielson from the Indies. Like I, the only thing that was missing was when he was holding on to the yes lock in the ropes. I was just itching oh, for him to just say, I have till five to Triple yeah. H. I, w- I would have just lost my mind and possibly passed out into a pleasure coma. Besides that, though, it was just great seeing these old spots, like that that spider superplex that I I don't think I've seen that in about five years. It was just, he was bringing out uh, all sorts of weird uh, Puro-type stuff, and Cena was up to task. One thing that people really undersell about him is he works really well in other people's frameworks. Yeah, like, he he made that style work. He wrestles great matches with Punk. Like you go way back, he could wrestle a great match with Umaga or The Big Show. He just has great versatility, even though the raw skills may not be so obviously there. Yeah. Um, after the match, I was I was really stoked. The only thing I was thinking, as cool as the Kenta, uh, what, what was it, Bushuki Busaiku Niki. I, I yeah. just wanted to hear you say it again, to Damn. be honest. Busaiku um, Niki. There you go. After he did uh, the knee kick, I, like I was more just thinking about that, being like, "Oh, geez, is that going to be a new finisher?" Did, they, did Cena not want to tap out? That seems like a bit of an anticlimactic way to end the show on a move that he's never really won a match with before, and then the Randy Orton thing happens, and then it all just came flooding back. I I suspended my disbelief actually after the match. I'm like, "Wow, they ended on the high note." That's I thought it's why Lesnar went over. They were going with Brian to send the fans home, just insanely happy. And then they did this. Right now, it seems like a great swerve. We'll see how the actual product spells out whatever story they're planning to tell. But it's one of those few things. So many people, both uh, internet smarky fans and casual fans alike, everyone has just attached themselves to the Daniel Bryan wagon. And we all bought into it in a way, hook, line, sinker, in that we wanted to see him when we wanted to see what him with the belt would look like. No matter what, it, it, no matter how seriously you take wrestling, people are in generally mad that Orton beat Daniel Bryan. Like I, I haven't talked to anyone yet, and it's been a handful of people only, but no one I know is happy about it. But they all want to see what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's 
and that's kind of in this era. That's really all you can shoot for. And, and it's uh, it, the money's in the chase. It's uh, it's been one of those things about wrestling. Like once the guy you want to have the title ha- has it, well, fans become complacent. Uh, it, I don't know if this is beyond the range of some of your listeners, but uh, if any of you have followed Ring of Honor, it happens with every person they've named champion since. Actually, I think Brian left the company. Nigel McGuinness. Everyone wanted him to have the belt. Got the belt. Fans turned on him. Tyler Black, now Seth Rollins, same thing. The only person it didn't seem to happen to was Kevin Steen because they tried to make him a heel and the fans cheered him. Right. They're just so counterculture. And, I mean, while that is an extreme example, a lot of wrestling fans are like that. It's why, you know, even though Steve Austin's known as one of the greatest world champs ever, he would only hold the belt for about three, four months. They would have to drop it because they need him to chase. You don't. There's no vested interest if the person who you want to see on top is on top. You just get bored. Yeah. So that'll be the unless you're Bret Hart. Unless you're Bret Hart, you hold that thing for like two years, dog. That's right. You don't let that go. You win <laughs> it from Yokozuna and you hold it. You hold it forever. You don't let it go. Until... Same thing. Same thing with Punk. Punk was fun. Punk. You know, Ric Flair did mm-hmm. it. There are ways you can do a long championship reign, but. Uh, they don't do the they don't do the long titles uh, that much Punk, anymore. Punk was an outlier, and we'll we'll see what they do here with Orton. So we'll, well, even then though, to keep it interesting, they did turn him heel halfway halfway through. through. Yeah, they had to, you know. Then and they had to do that with Flair too. Once they kind of saw the Horsemen get too popular, they had to do something to to freshen things up. So, um, you know, another thing before we let you go here, we want this is the is the twenty fifth anniversary. Of the Sega Genesis. Mm. Sega! Oh, you know it. Sega! Which is no longer really a company. Although, you know what? I'm not going to lie. The last PlayStation 3 game I bought, Virtual Tennis 4. Not, boy. I mean, hey. you know, Sega, Sega still knows how to make some I'll tell good you games. What, I, do remember, I, I, I do remember when when the Genesis came. I actually remember when they had the Master System. I had, right. a, I had one friend who actually owned... A Sega, a Sega Master System, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember we used to. I used to go over to his name was Daniel Garrow. We used to go. Over, I used to go over to his house all the time and play it. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And then of course the Genesis when that came out was like the edgier version of the Nintendo. Well, now the, and, and and trick. I know because you 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 were the br- person who brought this to my attention. But there was an eight bit Genesis, and then there was a sixteen bit Genesis. I did not know that. So tell tell me. So in your in your findings, yeah. as a guy absolutely sprints down the road in front of us here in the studio, what tell us about the what your memories are of the Genesis, and whether you know you had one yourself or you know w- what have you. Well, I, I definitely was a, a Sega kid. My first system was the original Nintendo, which I, at some point I think just about everybody born in around the 80s has owned an original Nintendo at one point in their lives, even if it was later on in college and they just had to go get one. But after that, um, everyone was making their decisions in the 16-bit ones. And I guess because I always have just prided myself in being a little different, I was especially more transparent about it when I was younger. Almost all my friends went with the Super Nintendo. I just thought the Genesis was cooler, and it was for a few reasons. I bought hook, line, and sinker into that ridiculous nonsense blast processing pitch they had, which uh, the backstory there, the Genesis technically is a little bit faster than the Super Nintendo. From a pure hardware standpoint, the Super Nintendo destroys it 
10 ways from Sunday in every other category, resolution, sound, color, whatever. The Genesis is a little faster, so they just attached everything they could to that, and it was a brilliant marketing campaign, and I bought into it. And even little things um, I, like you alluded to earlier, it's, uh, it seemed edgier, even the fact that uh, you know, the Super Nintendo it looked like a gray cereal box. The Genesis was this sleek little black unit. It was probably the first attractive-looking gaming system. I'm sure that bought me into it. But most of all, it was the sports games. The Genesis was to sports games as the Nintendo systems were to role-playing ones. And I, I mean, you guys can tell it's always been a part of my life. I just always have had a thing for sports. And when it's the off-season, there was no better game growing up. And even to this day, still when... I hang out with people before we go out and do something. We'll play a couple games of NHL 94, yep. and I would still say <laughs> to anybody, best. get an emulator, go buy a Genesis, and just get that game for $6. It holds up amazingly yeah. well today. Ronick, if you and if they do pick the Blackhawks, you, you, just, you, you, you don't play them. Just don't play them because they're broken in that game. They're absolutely broken in that game. And uh, There are a few teams. It depends on how you play. If you play without line changes... Two teams that are unfair are the Blackhawks because of Roenick, Chelios, and then you have Belfour, the best goalie in the game in net, uh, and Vancouver because they not only have Pavel Bray, who's the fastest guy in the game, Cliff Ronning and Jeff Cordnell are in that like top 10%. You can just skate around the other team. In 95, though, the game I played a lot, you always played as, as the Pittsburgh Penguins. I was just going to say, I was always had, a Penguins guy. Because you had Lemieux, Yager, and Martin Straka. And Mr. On, Coffee. And, and yeah, you had Paul Coffee. And, no, no, Paul Coffee was Paul. Wait a minute, was Coffee on that team then, or was he a Red yeah, Wing he, at that no, point? He was no, on that. Uh, it was earlier in the 90s. He was with the uh, Red Wings by that point. Oh, okay. Never mind. No, because I remember Paul Coffee as a Penguin. No, I definitely remember that I'm, time. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so. Um, and obviously, you could pick the Kings and score 10 goals with Gretzky. That's another thing you could do with that game. So. Well, that's one thing that I, I love about, uh, especially those first few years of it. Uh, they, they've now gotten so safe with the sports games. I agree. Fine. Yeah. And, and the so ratings, bland. there's not such a difference. Um, the, the, the most current uh, sports game that I play really is uh, MLB The Show. And you look at the game, there's like a solid 25, 30 players that are rated 95+. plus. There were not five guys rated over 95 in NHL 94. Nope. You, would ha- you would have, like, Rick Natras, uh, 42 overall, playing against, say, Eric Lindros, who, even though he was Eric Lindros, he was like an 83-84. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But every little difference was so noticeable. And the other reason I like 94 is it has the limitation of you couldn't make trades, you couldn't create players, so you couldn't cheat and build a good team. You had right. to work under the parameters of what you're given. And you legitimately have to play a different style if you're the Islanders than if you're the New Jersey Devils. And that, that just adds to the fun of it for me. It's a, it makes sort of an arcade experience. It's like playing NBA Jam at this point. So here's a question. Now that you brought it up, everybody in the room has an answer. NHL 94 or NBA Jam Tournament Edition? Legitimately, uh, I've bought three games in the past year since uh, we're talking about uh, recent game purchases. Um, I bought Angel 94 for, for the Genesis and Genesis. Uh, I bought the Show 13, and I bought the PlayStation updated version of NBA Jam, which is just amazing. NBA, NBA Jam in HD for with sure. updated rosters. Right. Um, I, I can't choose those two games, NBA Jam Tournament Edition and uh, 
Angel 94, those were just the crux of my youth. I, I might lean more as a kid to NBA Jam because it never updated until this recent uh, version a couple years ago, whereas I did like a sucker by every new NHL game and would be disappointed because outside of 94 as well, they all have at least one or two score every time glitches. Like uh, 95 for the Genesis, you just do a wraparound every That's time. That's right. You had the wraparound and you had the spinorama. Both of those worked. Yeah. It, whereas with 94, like you'd have stuff that would work well, but nothing worked conclusively all the time. And that, that was just so hard to find in the old sports game era. Pete, what do you got? For t- NBA Jam Tournament or NHL 94? I, w- I played a lot more NHL. Yeah. I mean, I... I don't know. I just always played, and I played the heck out of the EA yeah. games. I mean, I, I definitely played. Uh, I ended up getting more into NBA Hang Time yeah. later on. Yeah, but I definitely. If, if you were to say, "Oh, do you want to play NBA Jam or do you want to play NHL '94?" I would probably pick NHL '94, and I would still pick the Penguins. I think I pick. I think I. I think I'd go with NHL too because the, that was that was just a game you could pop on, and it was always fun and. You know, one of the things about Tournament Edition was that it, it was kind of one of those things that I, I think with that you had to play with someone else. It's it's kind of hard to play that game just by yourself, whereas with NHL 94, you could totally just sit there for hours and hours and just, you know, play and play and play. You know, and I, I think I kind of I am leaning that way more I like it, you know, more I listen, you know, my thoughts. I kind of feel that way, too. So... Yeah, that, that's that's a good point. Uh, playing single player, and uh, as an only child, I certainly uh, relate to that. Um, I played a lot more uh, NHL on my own because it it just did have that replay value of you do a different playoff run with a team or you just try a new team entirely and play as them, where with NBA Jam, you're basically playing the same way no matter what team you have with certain exceptions like the Utah Jazz. with And that that too, I found NBA Jam had more teams that were just too good the utah jazz were just psychotic no man the best team in nba te no doubt seattle supersonics oh yeah kemp and payton well they kemp and basically payton. the same story just with uh, two slightly different players uh it, I, I would take those two teams over any other uh, ones i mean do you want the nick anderson version of the magic because they couldn't get Shaq? you also had the hornets you had the hornets with zoe and larry johnson man dang dirty you guys do realize that we all now just have this unbelievable hankering to play 20-year-old video games. Oh, always. Yeah. There's always that. Yeah. Well, As soon as you guys let me go, that's exactly what I'm going to go to, <laughs> I think. Well, we're actually already kind of running down, so we will let you go. Trick, uh, anything you want to plug here on your way out? Um, well, not not especially, no. You uh, you handled all, all the stuff in the beginning, <laughs> so uh, check out all the websites that uh, Tim mentioned. I, I said no, and I'm going to do it anyways. Um, TheBarnstormer.com, I occasionally write there, and if you don't read something I, I wrote, read something someone else did. It's uh, generally good stuff on that website. Uh, likewise with Midwest Sports Fans, where I have uh, my podcast as well, and um Yes, if uh, if you're interested in any sort of uh, dating stuff, go visit lovesystems.com. dot com. Um, I'm I, I only started with the uh, with the company helping out with them about a year and a half ago. They have people that have been doing this for about a decade, and really, um, it's amazing the uh, the change that people can see in their dating lives. And it's not the stuff that you would read in the Neil Strauss book, The Game. You don't have to sell your soul and do things like insult girls to get them. 
that's about it. Well, thanks. Um, and guys, seriously, thank you for having me on again. Uh, this 45 minutes just absolutely flew by because, well, it just feels like I'm sitting around talking to some chums. Yeah, Appreciate man. having me on. Well, thank you for being on with us, and we'll definitely get you on soon. And uh, and you take care, huh? Thank you. You guys too. All right, Pat. Take care. The great Pat Suley, and we're 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 mo- we're moving along. We're moving right along. And so is uh, our next caller. Seems to be moving along rather fast. Don't might sp- want to slow down a little bit. <laughs> Harrison, how you doing? This isn't Harrison. This is Hanzo Gonzo. Hanzo? Oh, it's Hanzo. What? <laughs> tricky. Yeah. Tricky, tricky. The trickiest of the trickiest. Wow. So how? How? So uh, you guys just finished up Landhammer, yeah? Yes. How'd that go? It went really well. Um, wait, wait, wait. Hang on one second. Wait, hold on, hold on. One second. Before we go any further, let's let's plug these gentlemen. Oh yeah. By let's the plug way. these gentlemen. By the way, we got Mister Hanzo Gonzo. Hanzo Gonzo, um, and uh, and Harrison. Uh, Tuesday nights, 10 o'clock, twitch.tv slash iPlayWinner. Uh, it's the show that sucks. It does. Yeah, we're the number one uh, podcast in Sonoma County. So. Oh, Pretty num- proud about that. The, the number one, the number one <laughs> rated uh, 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 podcast in all of uh, – Windsor and Lake County. That's right. So. <laughs> um, this, <laughs> in, in areas not not called southeastern Sonoma County. Yeah, the the most successful by far. Marvel players and math addicts love the show that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but I we just had to had to had to plug had had to plug you guys before. Um, but Landhammer, yeah, lay it on us, gentlemen. Or uh, yeah, it, it was a really great event. Uh, there's a bunch of sports happening in the background of the fighting game stuff. Uh, Smash had over, I think, 100 people, and uh, every game was capped pretty much. Nice. So, I mean, it was a huge, uh, huge turnout. They even had to turn people away because wow. there's too many people. And where was the location? Where uh, Where was it? It was, uh, it was near downtown San Francisco. Cool. Uh, near near the wharf, kind of, I guess. Uh, it's on Third Street. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Very, very nice. And so, I guess one of the, the questions: uh, any big surprises at all in any of the uh, the the big fighting games? And uh, um, if well, DJ Showstopper got third. I think that surprised everyone. <laughs> I mean, he's not known for uh, doing well in tournaments, and he, he proved himself at uh, Landhammer, so he took out a lot of names. Uh, there's a player, Sacramento player, Eric Green, who is uh, beating a lot of players. So he's definitely one to watch out. Who does he play? He plays Wesker Dorm. Okay. No, Wesker Dorm Strider. I'm sorry. Oh, all right. Hmm. Open him up. Yep. Who won for Marvel? Marvel, it was Filipino champ, Taylor Balrog, and then DJ, one, two, three. Okay. And then uh, AE looked like uh, there was a lot of great. I didn't get to see them, but I saw the updates on uh, iPlay Winner. It seems like there was a lot of good matchups in uh, Arcade Edition. How? What was the top? Who rounded out the the top eight? If you can remember it. Uh, top eight. Uh, I know Ricky won. LPN got second. Um, P- PLR got third, and then there was a smattering of Snake Eyes, Van Geese. Man, Canada, I believe. Nice. 
So, yeah, appreciate sure it. Kind of, kind of the usual suspects up there in AE. Huh? Yeah, they got traveling out for it though. That was pretty cool. Yeah, very good. So this was, um, is this the first time this tournament's gone on, or? Yes, oh. uh, this is the first uh, NorCal event that they ran. Uh, they ran an eSport event down in SoCal, but this is the first fighting game thing they ran. Man, so and you and you said they had to turn people away. Yes, there was way too many people. <laughs> Man, okay then. It was a little crazy. It was a free tournament, so I mean, yeah. it attracted everyone, which is always good. You want to get the people to show up. Yeah. And uh, did you get any opportunity to compete, or was this just Hanzo Gonzo behind the scenes on the mic running brackets? Uh, I was everything. I got fifteenth, and it was top sixteen payout, so I got a little money. Esports dog. There I you was go. Commentating and running the stream when Harrison. Gotta love it. Nice. I know. I love it. That's that's get get that esports money, man. Esports. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag esports. <laughs> um. And so, any other cool things going down? Any uh, uh, outside of the tournament? Anything? Did they have anything else going on at uh the uh event this weekend? Uh, they had, they had stuff for engineering too. So I'm not engineering too. So I mean, <laughs> like, that. The original plan is like the the, the primary sponsor is like this group that helps engineering students get jobs, basically. Cool. So it's kind of like a, a meet and greet for them. But uh, other than that, it was just esports happening everywhere, and I'm a big Dota fan, so I was watching some Dota. Who do you run? Who do you run in Dota? Huh? Who do you run in Dota? Who do I love? Uh, right now, Clockwork is like my big thing. I'm trying to learn them. Uh, other than that, it's uh, Clockwork and Swart. You ever get on League of Legends? No, I hate League of Legends. <laughs> Man, you have to hit me. Would you if if I would play with you? Would you would you play? No. <laughs> <laughs> you're like no. I don't think you heard me. I hate League of Legends. I don't know if you're deaf. Fix your headphones. But I hate League of Legends. What do you not like about it? Is it just because it's like free to play and like half the people that are playing are like twelve and really annoying? <laughs> No, well, that, that's in every game, Don. I mean, you can find that in Marvel in real life. <laughs> but uh, um, the laning stage is really boring. It's just uh, pokes and, like, nothing really happens. Everyone having a uh, flash is a little boring, too, because it makes games like that exciting. Uh, the metagame's stale, and uh, it's just boring to watch. Damn, shots fired. <laughs> yeah. Done. Pew, pew, Done. Pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. pew. I'm ducking. Duck and cover. So, uh, do you guys have anything? So, you're going to obviously talk about Landhammer on your show Tuesday. That's um, yeah. Martes in Spanish. Yes. Um, what What else is, is on the plate for you and Harrison uh, for the show that sucks? We might have Drew Grimey on to talk about fitness. Nice. Fitness? Um, yeah. They're, they're going to start incorporating uh, CrossFit workouts between sets <laughs> during Marvel matches. Yeah. We should. That's going to be think so. With the crowd that normally attends video game events, I feel like that is going to be a hit. 20, I really do. 20 push-ups, 20 yeah. pull-ups, and then like... 10-pound 10, 10 kettlebell lifts. No one will want to lose. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Oh, man. Do it. I think that sounds fun. So Drew, Mr. Grimey is going to come on. Fittest dude in the, in the FGC outside of my brother here, Tim yeah. Livingston. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. That guy's—he—I've he, never seen him in real life, but that guy looks huge. 
He looks absolutely he's very good. big. He's not that tall, but I mean, I know possible. he's he's like a he's like, he's like a fire hydrant. He's just like I he looks like, like fire hydrant. I guess I don't know. Short, <laughs> stocky, big. He just looks like solid. A, he just looks like a man to me, Tim. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Fire hydrant. Maybe sunbird. So that sounds cool. Not only is uh, he's also a pretty. He, I mean, he's probably one of the more explosive Marvel players that I've seen. I mean, he is his. He who's he, it's what Viper, uh, Strider, Virgil, Virgil. Match rushdown. I mean, that guy. That's mad rushdown. Does down. big damage. Yeah, it's still off of any touch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and he has has he he's I mean he's really really good, um, but has he gotten close to winning any majors or no? No, not majors. I don't even know if he got in top. Uh, yeah, he's got in top before. Yeah, he's got in top in the NCR. He just doesn't travel that much. So he just doesn't because uh, he works out all the time. Yeah, put it into it that much. Yeah, because he's winning CrossFit competitions. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that sounds fun. So Drew Grimey's going to be on the show, blowing people up. That's got to feel good because it's like, you know, nobody's just going to get on and just talk a bunch of crap because it's like, we're going to go stick Drew Grimey on you. He's going <laughs> to rip rip your head off your puny, puny little shoulders. You little well, I, I kind of fulfill that role. I'm the pit bull of the show. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you are. You just don't care. I love how you – I love – I can't remember if it was last show or the, or the show before where <laughs> – you're sitting there, you hold up your little Twitch TV. I think it was like your mouse pad or something. Oh, yeah, my mouse pad. And just flipping it I off. It just like, <laughs> Ooh, damn. Damn. Oh, uh, yeah. Everybody hates like Twitch. It. We can say that because we're not on. That's People right. say we're, it anyway. We're not on, on there Twitch. yet. But if Twitch brings that esports money, we'll be on there. Yeah, if we, <laughs> if we get like 10K a week for. Our... For production costs. That's right. Which the show has none of. <laughs> <laughs> and so, anything else? What else is on the plate? You got Drew Grimey? Um, I don't know. We just kind of make it up the, the hour before. So. Hey, welcome to our world. Yeah, hey, we man. should <laughs> we should have lunch sometime yeah. and exchange production notes. <laughs> We'd be... Uh, well, my production notes is I like, get home. I usually have an ice cream or a popsicle, And then I'm on internet. There you go. And uh, internet. All right. Catching yeah. up on the latest m- manga and... Yeah, and anime. And, yeah. uh, and Tentacle Ray Pentai. That's... That's what we do. That, that's well. That's okay. that's how I get ready for a show. I don't know about anybody else. Sam, that's how you get ready, that's, right? That's, just uh, yeah, I just unbutton my pants, pull some ties, you know, yeah. <laughs> basking it. Wow. It gets the, the creative juices. That's thrown. how. That's how we get our listeners with with deep enthralling conversation like this. Yes, about okay. tentacle rape porn. <laughs> 